Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So I haven't planned a birthday party for myself in, you know, many years. I feel like it's a very, like you get your birthday plan for you as a child. And then maybe you do a couple that are like your 18th and your 21st and like those exciting milestones. And then it just kind of like trickles off. And I went out of town for my bestie's birthday earlier this month. I drove five hours to where she lives. We just had a party. It was a lot of fun. And she was like, well, what are you going to do for your birthday? And I was like, I don't know, like probably nothing. It's on a Wednesday, whatever. And she was like, I'm not going to allow that you just drove five hours to come to my party. And then you don't have a party that I can't come to. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I just brainstormed some ideas while I was sitting at her house. And I am so excited for my birthday party. It's coming this weekend. And it is a wine and paint by number birthday party. Oh my gosh, it's going to be a blast. I really hope my life doesn't get any crazier than it already is. I know. I'm like, I think actually until the day of the party. Oh, yeah. I don't think I'm going to know until like hours before. But yeah, I do you remember that you got me a paint by numbers a couple of years ago and then you're mad that I still haven't finished it? I'm so sorry. Yeah, I am. And (laughs) I don't know if it'll work though because the paint is probably dried out. I don't know. Because that paint only lasts for a couple months. Um, You know, it can be paint by watercolor. And I can resaturate it. (laughs) I'm not too worried about it. I am. Here's the problem with me and paint my numbers. Love the concept. And I am way too meticulous and don't know how to like just put paint down. Like I am the kid who in grade school, the art teacher was like, I'm so sorry you weren't able to finish this project. You can take it home. Like we had a pointillism lesson. I never finished it. I literally worked on this fucking piece for like months. And it was because I was 
way too serious about where I was putting my dots. Yeah. Yeah. I had a funny, this is a random tangent about that kind of same concept. I love paint by numbers because for me, it lets me not overthink it. Like it's kind of the same aspect, but different result to where I'm like, oh, I'm told exactly what to do. And so I just do it. And I like the art of painting. And that part is creative enough for me, but I don't have to come up with the concept of what I'm going to paint. But I remember in art school, my first year of art school, I was in a painting class. I'm pretty sure it was a full year. So two semesters. And I remember one semester... I painted and obviously did like whatever task I needed to do. And the second semester was the first time I was on an anti-anxiety medication because I had had multiple issues my freshman year. Sure. And I was painting and literally my teacher pulled me aside and was like, what changed? Like you're like approaching your art completely differently. Like you're less like I was painting better basically because I was on medication because it didn't make me overthink. And I was just like, who cares? I'll just do whatever. And the more you paint, even if it's bad, the better that you get, the more that you do anything, even if it's bad, the better that you get. And so she like pulled me aside and was like, there's something very different. And I was like, I'm on medication. (laughs) (laughs) But then I had to go off of it the next year because it actually made me not care about anything. That was a whole different aspect. And so I went back. What I did do was like try to still remember some of those ways that I approached painting and art and brought it into work. Well, I was like, I can physically do this. So if I'm not on meds, how can I physically channel that same thing? Yeah. Yeah. No, I specifically remember this drawing teacher in college that was like very gestural. And if you've ever taken a drawing class, you know exactly what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 Throwing out his shoulder in the middle of class. I literally couldn't, like, he stressed me out. Like, I <laughs> loved his work and I just could not comprehend how he could just approach it like that. But he's the kind of guy, like, I'm sure you guys have seen something similar on TikTok where someone's like, smearing charcoal and then like oh it's my favorite suddenly there's, there's a face and you're like how is there how a face literally there? how and you just were like smudging shit all over the place and now suddenly that's literally how he was and so he was brilliant and he would just get so upset with you know those of us who were because I'm a logical artist mm-hmm. yeah. which is just not the same kind no, of thing. No. I can do technical things. Like, let me build a clock. No. We're the opposite. <laughs> let me technically throw a pot because there's a skill involved with that. No. 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 <laughs> I can't gesturally do anything unless I'm making fun of someone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I, God, art school. <laughs> so many memories. Take me back, though. I miss it sometimes. I don't miss critiques, though. Oh, they're, they're rough. They're I'm rough. Stick to my stomach the whole day of a critique. I'm like, can we just get them all done? I would rather do all of them in one day for every class than like spread them out. Just like make it happen, get it over with. I think that's why I have thick skin now, is because yeah. I always did really well, though. No, my- I did too. I did too, but I, I was always had any that like left me in tears. Assuming <laughs> the worst. No, my draw if drawing. I almost just didn't pass drawing. <laughs> drawing is so hard. I'm just 
and I, I can't draw either. I've so since, then, since then had bosses who were taught in the era like before there was any digital programs. Yeah. And so they think you can't be a designer if you don't know how to draw. And I was yeah. like, yeah. Welcome to the 21st century where that's not true at all. Yeah. Like, you don't have to be a traditional artist at all to do well in this field. Well, I remember there was a giant learning curve for me, even in the photo space, because I took photography all through high school, even AP photography classes. And we had a dark room in my high school. And I, so I learned film. I learned the like how to like create double exposure with film and like different, like a vignette with different chemical effects. And like, I learned all of that there. And then it was second semester of my senior year that we got Photoshop and computers in the photo lab. And I was like, what the fuck is Photoshop? Like, I don't know how to do this. I had learned InDesign and I knew that because I was on the newspaper staff, but Photoshop was a whole new world for me. And so when I went to college and there were no dark rooms whatsoever, none. And it was just immediately digital photography. And the professor was like, it was like his first time teaching it also. So it was a shit show. Like it was an absolute shit show. Oh, I still took film photography in college. They didn't probably, have it. It was probably half of my photo classes. I God, so. it makes me so sad because it's all I want to do. I like as a child, I was like, I will have a dark room in my house one day. Like that's what I was doing in life. And it will be a dark room shed and it will be great. And then everyone stopped using it. (laughs) So sad. Okay. Well, we're not here to talk about art school, although I could talk about it all day and the lessons I've learned in life because I was an art school kid. Today, we're talking about leadership and team culture. And I recently came across this article and I wanted to talk about it. And a team member said something recently that got me inspired to kind of dig into some of this. And so Abby has no clue what we're talking about today. And I'm going to ask her this question and we'll see if she can guess it. Then we're going to talk about it. So this blank is the most important leadership skill, according to research. And this is like last year research. So there's one thing that is the most important skill for leadership. I want to go either like empathy or listening, but I, I don't, I don't know. It's empathy. Okay. You got it. it. I mean, yeah, so important. (laughs) Well, and the reason why I bring this up, not only is it, I think a super important topic, but also learning about how to be empathetic and learning how to be empathetic in a virtual space or a remote space, I think is also a completely new skill, but it's really timely right now within our own team. We have a lot. Y'all literally never know. <laughs> like you, you know, the iceberg analogy, right? You see the tip of the iceberg and you don't understand everything that's underneath. Not only does that apply to like the structure of a business and like how it runs and how it makes money and how it functions, but it's also the structure of people's lives. And you truly never know what's going on behind the scenes for anyone. And I feel like this summer now going into fall, our team collectively has just been hit with thing after thing after thing. And we're power throughing it, but it's it's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. It's truly a lot. And the amount of really, really, really requiring not, I mean, this hasn't just been one person, but like anyone being able to just walk virtually into the room and dump their entire workload 
on the table and say, I got a piece for God knows how long. Well, it just started honestly early summer when I started having yeah, when you got sick leave. the first time. Well, and I was taking leave before that too, because if what did I get sick first and then leave or was well, it? Leave? No, we had the two weeks off in July and then you immediately got sick. And then there was like a break for four days and then you got sick again. And well, I know, but remember my two personal family things that happened. Oh yeah. I guess that was in May. May? Yeah, June? So I think it started with that because I just unexpectedly took a week off. It's been... It's been a year. I would literally say downhill ever since. Like, oh, literally, literally. <laughs> it's been a lot. And I am grateful that I feel like, for the most part, empathy, if anything, that's the one thing I didn't have to learn how to do as a boss. Mm-hmm. Because it's I think in it is my DNA. I've had to translate that skill virtually, but. I think innately we're very empathetic people, but there are actual strategies on how to do this virtually. And I know not everyone here has a team or maybe you have like one VA or admin, but you also have clients. And I think that learning this skill in working with clients one-on-one is also very important because I mean, you all know the world has changed over the last couple of years and this is becoming a priority of having this skill set and people who people interact with in general has been far more important than ever before and a bigger focus. And so I want to kind of cover some of these stats here. And then I have how to be empathetic in a virtual space, a couple of tips, and then how to practice empathy within your team. And then I'm sure there's a story that we've all heard, but I wanted to kind of cover it here too. So Forbes did or Forbes shared about this study that was done with about, I don't know, 900, 1,000 people. And it's really stemming from the priority of focusing on empathy and really learning these skill set is based on the effects of stress on our team and our clients and the people that we work with. And I could read you all these studies, but we know that stress impacts mental health, our personal lives, and our performance. And it's stress in and outside of work. And I think now more than ever, humans in general obviously have more stress than any other year, I think, in our lifetimes. We are dealing with like personal, everyday, normal life stress, work stress, financial stress, economy stress, family life stress. It's like we're getting hit from every angle here. And so there's some of the studies that I found regarding mental health. 42% of people have experience of decline in mental health. 67% of people are experiencing increasing in stress, increased anxiety, emotionally exhausted, sad, irritable. 28% of people are having trouble concentrating. 20% are taking longer to finish tasks. And 15% are having trouble thinking. And 12% are challenged to juggle their responsibilities. This affects the workload within your company, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. And so we have to acknowledge it. I think even in the last three to five years, the connectivity worldwide has become so... Everything's all of a sudden 
in your back door. Like, the fact that we, you know, before would hear headlines weeks or even months, sometimes years after the event, like, you were so far removed from what was happening other places that at least the trauma was was more localized and that, like, you didn't necessarily know it was happening. But when you log on to social media and you're trying to use that as your decompression time and the next thing you know you see people preparing for hurricanes, other people in the middle of a war, and other people fending for their lives in the streets under protest. Like that, even if you can like, quote unquote, tune it out. Right. You're getting shown it while it's unfolding. Yeah. Right then and there. It's so much. And mm-hmm. so to assume that it's not affecting you well, and like, untrue. <laughs> truly remember, and I won't call out what it was. So, so it won't. This I'm hopefully not going to trigger a bunch of people. But for those of you who watched the news around 9/11 when that happened, there were two big events that happened on camera for people to see. One the day of, and then one significantly after with people who were involved in the incident, and. So much so that like YouTube has tried to scrub its archives of removing one of those particular videos off the internet. But like 12 year olds watch that. Children watch that. Adults watch that while at home, while at work. We saw that and it was very traumatizing. And yet it was one instance where there weren't follow-up instances the next day, the next week, the next month, the next summer, the next season. That was like it in that bubble for years And now we're getting it every day. Yeah. Like, I remember, because I can't forget, I remember the day that that Russia, like, went into Ukraine because all of a sudden, I literally was seeing bombs go off while they were happening. Yeah. It's a lot. So we're taking a lot in from the world and then our personal lives. So empathy continues to be a forefront of a priority for leaders. But let's shift this to the positive because when you focus on it and when you craft this skill, when you focus on this skill, I'm not going to say you perfect this skill because you have to be perfect at being empathetic. That's kind of the point. But focusing on empathy contributes to positive outcomes. So I want to share a couple of things with you. So the five things that empathy really impacts when a leader focuses on harnessing this skill for themselves and when they're working with clients and they're working with their team, the things that are impacted, innovation, engagement, retention, inclusivity, and work life. So innovation, when leaders are empathetic, 61% of employees compared to only 13% of employees are likely to report that they're more innovative. So they're coming up with better ideas. They're strategizing. They're testing things. They feel confident in trying something new. 76% of people who experienced empathy from their leaders reported that they were engaged compared to only 32% who experienced less empathy. Retention, so staying longer. Inclusivity, 50% of people with empathetic leaders reported their workplace was inclusive, literally just by being empathetic and work life. So when people felt their leaders are more empathetic, 86% reported that they're able to navigate the demands of their work and their life, successfully juggling their personal, family, and work obligations. 86%. Are you kidding me? No, that's amazing. And then it obviously trickles into every aspect. I think when you shared some of those things, the things that immediately popped up for me was realizing how many changes we've made internally 
as a result of someone going through something on our team. Yeah. And the innovation isn't just about new products and like new sales strategies and whatever, but it's also like, how do you make people feel more connected? How do you draw people together? How do you work asynchronously when someone really can't communicate in the moment because of what's going on? Like all of those things have come up for our team and in various capacities and really driven us forward as a digital first company. Yeah. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get it set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. 
After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. So a while ago, we shared about a mindset that we have here at Boss Project that we cultivate within our team, within our clients. And we walked you through how to develop this mindset. And I want to bring it back because this is all circled together. When I was researching how to embrace empathy at work, especially in the digital space, the number one strategy that was listed to develop empathy was cultivating curiosity. And we created, I think it was a two-part series actually, or is about our experimental mindset and how to create a culture of curiosity. Literally, we said those exact words within our team, because there's, for us, we look at it a little bit differently in the sense of like leadership, experimental mindset, but then also being curious within the team associates and at all levels for it to work full circle. And I find that very interesting that being curious and cultivating curiosity is one of the number one factors in developing empathy. That's wild to me. Yeah, it is wild, but it makes sense. I think I think so much of empathy comes from a place of being willing to kind of like dig in and ask questions and like wonder, you know, and part of being able to support someone is understanding how something's affecting them, even if they can't articulate that themselves. Because, you know, as a leader, there's been times where I've had people be really direct around what they want and need, and then I can show up and take action on that. There are so often where people are so in it, they either don't know what they want or need, Or they're struggling to really articulate it and they're trying to compensate for it in other ways. And as an empathetic leader, it requires you to kind of dig in and like really uncover the things going on under the surface so that you can attack those things rather than all the stuff that's just visible. It's almost like skills we've learned from question behind the question are transferable to non-selling strategies. 100%. 100%. And I think the same is true, whether you're talking internally on your team or with clients, because they won't always share everything that's going on in the same way that your team might. But, you know, when someone's pregnant or they get a health diagnosis or they have a conflict on their own team or a client issue of their own, then your client's can shut down in similar ways, have struggle with communication, struggle with deadlines. And you have to be willing to figure out and dig in and understand what's going on and show up for them. Yep. Yep. I saw this quote that was like, okay, when focusing on empathy and really trying to cultivate this as a leader, there are obviously strategies you can follow and there are actions that you can take. But when my opinion, I think empathy is maybe... 70, 30, 60, 40 split between actions and behaviors. Behaviors being, how are you actually listening? What does it look like when you listen? What does your face look like? What is your body doing? What does your tone sound like? And there was a line in there that someone said, 
you're behaving so loudly that I can't hear you. And I love that concept of thinking about how am I behaving to get my point across with my words as well? Like the words aren't enough, but me being here, not being on my phone while I'm talking to you or in a meeting and like not trying to get work done while someone's telling me a strategy or an idea they have, not trying to like wait until they're done so I can say the thing that I want to say. Like there are so many different ways to show that you have empathy outside of just doing. Well, and it also makes me think about the fact that empathy is not just around feeling for someone who's going through a hard thing. It is also about showing up for them when something exciting is happening. It's also about like the in-betweens, like because you being able to read someone and react is an all the time thing. It's not just when someone's struggling that you need to pull this skill out of your head. Right. Right. So I want to share the story of Dan Price, the CEO. Have you heard this story? I'm not I think sure yet. Heard, maybe heard tidbits of it, but I've never read the full story to understand what was going on. He was basically the CEO that like did something great with his employees and completely changed the culture and like everyone got raises and like did all this. And he was like really touted as like a positive CEO who like saw a problem and did something. But I had never like gone through and like what actually happened there. And I think it's really interesting. What so, company? You know, I don't know. Okay. A company. Okay. A company. It doesn't matter to the story, but we can definitely look it up. He was on Kelly Clarkson with his employee that started this change. And it's a short story. So he said he was a bad CEO. He found a McDonald's training handbook on the desk of one of his employees. Turns out she was training to become a manager there because she couldn't survive on the income that he paid her at her full-time job. So he called her to his office. She was hiding the McDonald's job and thought it would get her fired. That's why she was hiding it. So he was like, what kind of culture had I created scarcity and fear? She was a college grad, but was making 30K a year. She'd leave our job at five and secretly work 5.30 to 11 every weeknight at McDonald's for one and a half years. Before she got the second job, there were nights where she would line up for a food bank. So before I share the next piece, I know you and I as CEOs, co-founders, leaders here at this company have asked ourselves often, like it could come up every week, depending on what's happening. What is the line of appropriate professional behavior of getting to know your employees and being in their business and helping them succeed in and out of your business? And what's the inappropriate line? And how do we juggle that? And do we just get to decide what that is? And we can make up the rules as we go. Is this too much? Is this not enough? I know you and I have that conversation all the time. So here's what happened. In our office that day, we went over her finances. We paid market rate, but as a CEO, I was out of touch with what it was like to work off student debt at 30K a year in an expensive city, which was Seattle. She came back and said she needed a $10,000 raise to quit the second job. That's it. $10,000 to quit the second job. I said, okay, if she took on some extra duties. So she quit McDonald's, moved out of her crappy apartment and used that free time to see her friends more. That's what we always talk to our people about, right? Like, we're going to give you these two weeks off. We're going to do a four day weekend. We're going to do this. And I want you to cultivate a hobby, friendships, go out, try something new, because that not only like is a fun thing to do, it literally helps you do your job better. So she did all those things as her mental health improved. So did her work performance, which we just covered. So she quickly proved herself and got promoted to director of operations. A light bulb went off. What if we did this for everyone? So we more than doubled our minimum wage to 70K. Since then, our productivity and revenue tripled. 10 times more staff bought homes and had babies. This employee is now director of sales and was interviewed by Adam Grant. 
So the biggest lesson learned, listen to your employees. Never assume you know what's going on. Never make top-down decisions without their input. They hold weekly company meetings with everyone invited, multiple reps from each team to vote on priorities. So when the pandemic hit, our revenue sunk. We needed mass layoffs. I brought the details to our 200 employees. They offered to take voluntary pay cuts to save everyone's job. They helped us recover. We later paid them back the lost wages and gave small raises. How incredible would that be to be able to do that as a CEO and then to work someplace like that? Yeah, it's amazing. And it's just, I will say as a CEO, it's, it's hard sometimes because it's like, I know, and I wouldn't say I'm in the majority necessarily, but I know if I could pay everyone and like an amazing salary, I absolutely would. And it's definitely a challenge of like making sure you're paying appropriately so that they can live the life and lifestyle they need. Well, because we've talked about even on this show, like, yeah, it would be great to pay everyone a shit ton of money, but then we won't, our doors won't even be open next month if we do that. And so like, there's a balance between that. And sometimes that balance is just annoying. Yeah. And so trying to figure out what's the balance of how do you get this working? But even just thinking about in the last two years, I have to remind ourselves in the last two years, we have made pay adjustments with at least three members of staff that allowed all three of them to leave other jobs. Mm -hmm. And watching what's changed for them as a result has been really huge. And so I know stories like this just make and challenge me to want to continue to do more, but also like give myself a little bit of a break that we are doing the work. We are doing it. Right, right. Especially when I look at this list of, I think it's like, I don't know, 10 or 15 ideas to stay connected. So like, it's my job here at BP to find ways for our team to stay connected and culture to stay connected. And it's the first thing that gets put on the back burner when we're really busy. And a recent comment from a team member made me be like, oh, I need to prioritize that again because it is important and they do care and it does matter. And so here's a couple of ideas. I'm just going to spitball out for you guys. I'm going to just fly through them. Don't be afraid to make a phone call. Literally pick up the phone and just chat with your team. Use video as a way of connecting and stay professional. Look forward to the weekly team meeting. So don't cancel the weekly team meeting. Hype it up. It's exciting. It doesn't have to be dreadful. Find a way to make it fun. Collaborate on projects and presentations together in real time, like being on a Google Doc together at the same time, being in Canva at the same time. Just working together feels completely different than working in your silo and presenting it to someone else. Be vocal and add meeting and Slack channels. So it's saying like refrain from blowing up channels by adding one word answers or meaningless contributions. Be all over Google Calendar so that you schedule even the smallest catch-up session. Manage project deadlines and ideas using like a project management system so everyone's on the same board. Start a water cooler channel, which we have. I just want to use it more. Schedule virtual lunch dates. I think that could be fun to do. Keep company culture human through personal milestone updates. So again, like you were saying, celebrate the good things. Pet adoptions, kids, marriages, vacations, anniversaries, all those things. Start a virtual company-wide book club, which I think is the next thing I'm going to do for us. 
have a post-work cooking competition among teams or coworkers. We could do an all Zoom hangout session and like do an activity. I think that would be really cool. Start a joke of the day or video of the week email or Slack channel. Start meetings on a positive note. Commit to it to tradition. So begin meetings with today I or I just ate A to bring to mind that you're all human first and remote workers second. Plan an organization-wide virtual talent show. That could be fun. Play online games with colleagues. Start a company-wide chain project. Get to know your team. There's a whole bunch of different ideas. One of them that I also thought was really cool was start a remote work mentorship program. Or no, not mentorship, but like charity. Like find a organization that your company wants to support. Like vote on it as a team and decide like how you're going to show up and support that. All of those could be great. Yeah. Amazing. And I just want to remind you guys of a couple of apps that we use internally that I think if we're talking about paying attention to what's going on with people, I think these are things that have been really beneficial for us. So the first one, I don't think I've shared too much on the show before, but we were struggling with our meetings a bit and wanting to have things feel streamlined and be able to capture more action items like as a result of having the meeting. And so we started using an app called Range, which has made a big difference in having consistent meeting types and meeting agendas. Our meetings have been way more productive and being able to capture the to-dos on the back end has been really great. Uh, definitely, there's rooms for improvement there, but it's significantly better than the doc that we style meetings that we were doing before. Did you say that it was range or did you say fellow? Oh, I said the wrong one. It yeah, is- I was like, wait, my brain's rewinding a second. Yeah, that one in particular is fellow. Fellow, fellow app. And then Range is a daily check-in app that we utilize. And there's definitely additional features we could tap in there in terms of like really being able to tell what your team is working on. But really the thing that I use it for the most There's two things. One, it has a built-in emoji where someone can say how they're feeling that day. Someone changing their emoji to a yellow status or a red status is a really good clue as a manager that you need to check in with them and understand what's going on. And I've found out people were sick or had issues with their family or other things happening literally because of how they rated how they're feeling that day. And then I also love the questions that Range asks on the daily. It's a group question. So everyone has the same question, but it's sometimes it's a get to know you kind of icebreakery kind of thing. That's a little goofy, but other times it's very insightful and has absolutely been things that I was like really paying attention. Yeah. To. We've seen some responses and we're like, oh, we're going to make a note of that for this <laughs> particular person. Right, right, right. <laughs> Right. So I've loved having that as part of just like the culture of checking in and things. But overall, it's just about listening and, and seeing where you need to include those things. But I know for sure Slack has been imperative. Well, hey, Taco is another one that we use for like giving kudos and this was great. I saw this like, or, oh, you've been having a rough day. So here's some tacos. Like you can give them out for whatever reason, but it's just a fun way to like give good credit. I do want to share before we wrap up, 
the one thing that we don't do and will never do. And if you're doing this, I would highly encourage you to stop doing this. We will never use any sort of third-party app that tracks whether our employees are online, active, working at all whatsoever. It's sketchy as shit. Don't do it. It is sketchy. I mean, I definitely still look at Slack statuses to know if I can get in touch with someone, but I would never want to put any sort of tracking software on any of our team's personal computers or devices. I do think there's a healthy way to encourage people to use things like statuses Absolutely. To communicate effectively without it feeling like an overbearing, we want to know what you're doing every second of the day. Because our team has dogs and kids and kids in school. And and, and and like, here's the bottom line. Even if you don't have those things, you're an adult. And I need to trust that you're going to manage your time appropriately to get the work done. And I'm not going to worry about when you're doing it. No. So my job. (laughs) No, it's really not. And so Mm -hmm. having people utilize our calendar team channel to share when they're stepping out or changing their status on Slack when they're going to run a quick errand or something like that has been really big. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see y'all continue to focus on empathy and your own leadership skills. Even if you don't have a team, it is a skill that is worth learning and testing out and practicing. It also, this, we didn't even have this in the discussion today, but when you are empathetic, it also changes you and helps you and has positive outcomes for you. If you find that you're someone who kind of flies off the handle when you hear news from someone else, or you feel overwhelmed or stressed out or frazzled, really, really dive into listening and asking questions and practicing some of these empathetic skills. And I promise you, it will also help how you feel when things change. So let us know if you have any follow-up questions or thoughts, concerns on this topic, we would be more than happy to chat it out over on Instagram at Boss Project. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.